Why does Ohio always lag our neighbors when it comes to new revenue sources? A vote to reduce the size of Cleveland City Council breaks with a long history. And what did Ohio do with the Equal Rights Amendment back in the day? It's The Wake Up from Cleveland.com for Tuesday, January 21st. I'm Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn. Ohio has lagged its neighboring states on casino gambling and marijuana legalization, and it seems likely to continue the trend with sports betting. Legal sports betting seemed on its way in Ohio last spring when separate bills were introduced in the House and the Senate with bipartisan support. But the two bodies bogged down over who should oversee sports betting. The Senate wants the Ohio Casino Control Commission to be in charge, while the House wants the State Lottery Commission to rule. With a Casino Control Commission, sports betting would be limited to casinos and racinos. With the Lottery Commission, small businesses like bars and restaurants could have sports betting terminals. Nearly all of our neighboring states have legalized betting since the U.S. Supreme Court ruled it legal in 2018. In December, Michigan became the fourth state neighboring Ohio to pass a legalization bill, while a Kentucky legislative committee last week advanced a sports gaming bill for a full House vote. Ohio continues to stall. If Cleveland voters in March decide to reduce the Cleveland City Council from 17 to 9 members, they will break with 100-plus years of how the council has represented residents. Pretty much since 1914, each council member has represented about 25,000 people. The idea Cleveland.com's Bob Higgs found by looking at the history was that council members were the connection between the people and their government. Reducing council would change that, leaving each council member to represent 42,000 people. They also would represent such large geographic areas that their constituents could have competing interests, putting council members into difficult situations. Bob's story looks at the arguments for and against the reduction, but he makes clear that a reduction would break with what the founders of this government had in mind and with how it has always worked. If you've been alive as long as I've been, then the recent talk about the Equal Rights Amendment will make you feel like you entered a time machine. The ERA was news in the early 1970s, and suddenly it's back. After Virginia became the 38th state to approve it last week, Cleveland.com's Sabrina Eaton took a trip in the Wayback Machine to find out how Ohio treated the Equal Rights Amendment, What she found was that Ohio signed off on it nearly a half century ago in 1974, becoming the 33rd state to ratify the amendment that would outlaw discrimination based on gender. The amendment stalled a few years later, short of the 38 states needed. Several states have ratified it since, and then Virginia became state number 38 last week. While ERA foes argue that the measure has been dead since the 1980s, its proponents contend that because the text of the amendment itself did not include an expiration date, it is eligible for ratification if Congress simply repeals the old ratification deadline. All of the Democrats in Ohio's congressional delegation have signed on to a bipartisan bill to do just that. 
Supporters of that approach note that most constitutional amendments don't have ratification deadlines. For example, the Constitution's 27th Amendment, which was meant to keep Congress from voting itself pay raises without accountability from voters, was ratified in 1992, more than 200 years after Congress approved it. Here's a question. Would Ohio, a state that voted for Donald Trump, ratify the ERA today? Here's a story about the dangers of drug companies getting too close to the doctors who give us treatment. A doctor in Cleveland's eastern suburbs has taken a plea deal and will cooperate with federal prosecutors seeking to hold doctors accountable for taking kickbacks from a drug company to increase prescriptions for a specific medicine. Dr. Franklin Price, who practiced internal medicine and specialized in hematology and medical oncology, pleaded guilty Friday to a charge of wrongful disclosure of individually identifiable health information, a misdemeanor. Price admitted that he gave unauthorized access to his patient files to a representative of the company that made the drug Nudexta. The drug, made by Avenir Pharmaceuticals, treats pseudobulbar effect, a disorder that causes exaggerated and uncontrollable crying and laughing. It is frequently seen in elderly patients with dementia and Parkinson's disease. The 77-year-old doctor is one of several people the U.S. Attorney's Office in Cleveland charged in a probe into Nudexta's marketing. The drug maker wanted doctors to use it as an alternative to opioids, even though it did not appear to be effective for that use. It hasn't been a week since we learned who is being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the class of 2020, but Cleveland.com's Troy Smith is already marveling at the potential class of 2021. Because of the Rock Hall's rules requiring the passage of 25 years between the first music release and induction of a band, next year's class could include Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters, two acts that remain active and relevant today. Troy says that if Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters were inducted and agreed to perform, the 2021 induction ceremony in New York City would be epic. Both acts have released number one albums in the last three years. We have a long wait to find out if Troy's prediction is correct. In the meantime, we have the Cleveland inductions in May, with Whitney Houston, the Notorious B.I.G., the Doobie Brothers, T-Rex, Nine Inch Nails, and Dupesh Mode, along with Bruce Springsteen's longtime manager, John Landau, and the Eagles manager, Irving Azoff. That could make for a pretty epic ceremony, too. Thanks for listening to The Wake Up. Check out cleveland.com throughout the day for the latest news as it happens. 